the Author to Author podcast series with award-winning author Pamela R. Haight. Welcome to the podcast. Dalgetty Herbal Teas produce 100% natural high-quality organic teas using only the best ingredients. Available now from all major supermarkets or please visit our website at dalgetty.co. Dalgetty Herbal Teas. Hello there, lovely listeners. I am your host, Pamela R. Haynes, award-winning author of Love and Brothers. I've had a busy week with my first International Women's Day event on Andrew Mohammed's Hidden Truth platform. It was a fantastic online event celebrating International Women's Day. I made loads of new connections and I'm looking forward to being invited back. Last Saturday, I also had my first in-person event as a guest speaker at the Black Women's Kindness Initiative event nearby in Ilford, Essex. Thank you to Cheryl Hutchinson and her team for such a warm welcome. I was well taken care of. Last Thursday, I was a guest on London World Radio on the Sister Chat talk show. I spoke about my book journey and the podcast. We had an absolute blast. In between, I have been interviewing self-published authors for season three of the podcast and having loads of fun. I cannot believe we are episode seven of this season already. Time has certainly flown by. Don't forget to use the discount code for 10% off of your next dog Getty Tea order, which is A2AS2. I'm delighted to tell you that for this episode, I have been working in collaboration with Island Empress, another Caribbean company, and they have kindly donated Island Empress merchandise to give away as part of this episode's competition prize. So listen carefully to the podcast question which follows this interview. Other Island Empress merchandise can be purchased at www.islandempress.store. For this episode, I have another self-published author for you. Her name is Elizabeth Hamilton, author of the book In Relation to Men. See you on the other side. Hey, Elizabeth. Wonderful to finally get the opportunity to interview you on the Author to Author podcast. Thank you so much for hanging on in there with me. So I'm delighted to be finally interviewing you as well. The first thing I need you to clear up for us is that I received emails in one name and I know you in another name. So perhaps you'd like to clear up that for me and my listeners. Yes, I will clear that up. So Elizabeth Hamilton is actually my pen name. So Elizabeth is my, it's not Naomi Forrest, it's Naomi Elizabeth and something else Forrest. But Hamilton is my father's surname. And writing in Elizabeth Hamilton, I was able to distance myself from the emotions and um, maybe the trauma that I was suffering, that I suffered then, and speak on what the message was that I wanted to relay. I didn't want the readers to be sympathising before they actually got the message of what I was trying to say. So I write in Elizabeth Hamilton because um, it's it's sort of like the second side of me, the side that talks back to me and tells me, well, you can look at it this way or you can look at it this way. So I've presented Elizabeth Hamilton with <laughs> Oh, thank you very much for explaining that to me because I was a bit, who's this woman that's actually coming back to me? Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering who that was that was coming back to me. So I'm glad that you've put that to bed. The other thing as well is that I started to read um, your book in relation to men and got to chapter two 
finished the end of chapter two and then chapter three was missing. So I got my second copy of In Relation to Men. So thank you for that because you gave me two. And I thought, okay, maybe there was something in the edit of it. Let me have a look at the second copy. Chapter three is missing. And it's not until you get to the end of the book that you realize that chapter three is there. So can you tell us why and how that decision was made and how has that been received by your readers? Okay, well, I did actually put a note in chapter four to let you know that I haven't forgotten chapter three and there was a reason for me leaving it. Now, chapter three was the part that I would have given the trigger warning for because chapter three talks about the trauma and the emotions that came with that, even in me explaining it as Elizabeth Hamilton and with the guidance of my great grandmother, whose name was also Elizabeth Hamilton. It still invokes a certain type of emotion because of the trauma and um, the severity of it at such a young age. So I didn't want to make the reader have a down before I'd given them all the ups so that when they got that little bit of down, they could still see the up through it. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a wonderful explanation. So let's go right back to the beginning then. Where are you originally from, Elizabeth? And where do you live now? Okay, I'm originally from Manchester. And that is actually where I'm residing at the moment as well. Um, in Manchester itself or on the outskirts? In Manchester, right. In smack bang in the middle. Well, I'm in Moss Side. I, did, I wasn't always in Moss Side. We lived in Fallowfield, which isn't too far from Moss Side when I was younger. Yeah. Okay, no, it's only that time. I'm always trying to look for a connection. So I've got family in Oldham and in Rochdale as well, which is obviously Greater Manchester. And yeah. you know how small the world is, is that, you know, when communities stick together, they tend to know each other. My son currently lives in Manchester in the city as well. So he's not far from um, the stadium. Yeah, so there is a little connection there. So you've always lived in, in Manchester. I haven't always lived in Manchester. We moved to we moved to Leeds. Yeah, a lot of this book is based in Leeds and then I come back to Manchester. Because I changed everybody's names and I was writing in my pen name as well. I'm not sure if I actually expressed that it was Leeds. <laughs> I think I, I put West York or something like that. Where does your family hail from? My family hail from Jamaica. Both my parents are from Jamaica. My father's from Clarendon and my mother is from St. Catherine. Have you had the opportunity to go to Jamaica? I have several times, yes. And Beautiful. out of the two places, where would you say is home for you? Well, this is a little bit embarrassing because I've never been to Clarendon. I've visited so many parishes in Jamaica. I've never actually been to Clarendon. It's only in the last maybe five years and five or six years that I've actually connected with my father's side of the family where, you know, his siblings, which has been a beautiful thing. You know, as a little girl, I always wanted to meet them and wondered about them growing into my adulthood as well. But getting to know them now, even just via phone and WhatsApp, it's really nice. The next time I do go to Jamaica, I will go to Clarendon. So when did you start writing? I started writing when I was when I was in primary school. <laughs> I used to write poems. Then it went to songs. And I always kept a journal. So in keeping that journal, I, I guess I was writing like literally every day then. So any of that do you think is worthy of being published, your poetry? Yeah, eventually I'll get round to pulling out the old books and... I used to write songs as well. So yes, I'll um I'll pull it all out one day when I've got the time. 
So why right now? Why write about, write your book in relation to men now? Okay, um, well, I wrote it now because my daughter, she's 22, and she's starting to, she's in that, that life now where she's going to be experiencing everything. You know, you can only shelter them for so long. And I also have two young sons, two princes. Um, for me, it's the case of I wanted to try and make sure that there are there are opportunities for them that maybe there weren't for maybe my brothers or some of the males that are in the book that I speak about. I'd like them to have a brighter prospect on life. And the reason I wrote this is so that the parents of today or anybody that's gone through any of the traumas that I talk about in the book can realise that they don't have to keep it in there forever. They don't have to keep it to themselves. In just being honest with how they're feeling, they'll know what to do. My thought is that there's always somebody out there that's going to be feeling just the same way that I am. You know, I'm not alone in this. And when people know and understand that you're in a vulnerable place, then it sort of opens up doors for them to be vulnerable as well. For me, lonely is a really, really dangerous place. That's the best way I can put it. Lonely is a dangerous place. And sometimes certain things happen in our life that make us shield ourselves to till we cower into a little ball and in doing that we we're harming ourselves in ways that we don't know we don't even realize so i just like to reach out to those people that might be going into those shells or may have been in those places so how has your book been received it, it was received really well actually um i sent a copy to my mom because some of the things that were in there i mean we've spoken about I had never gone into detail with her the way that I went into detail in this book. So she had a few things to discuss with me. And obviously I didn't actually give it to her until after it was published <laughs> because I didn't want anybody talking me out of it. I did have a discussion with a couple of family members. One of them got a little bit upset as well about me disclosing certain certain things that might not shine so great a light on them. But I basically expressed that that was my view of it at the time. And so if, if they feel after I've released the book that they need to get their story out, I'll be more than happy to direct them to my publishers. Oh, oh, absolutely. There are many secrets that we keep, which has damaging to us. And them out there, as you said, it helps other people to share their stories as well and to share their pain, to, you know, to share their hurts and so on. So I like the idea that you wrote under a pen name and that you changed people's names and locations and, and all of that. So people can say that it, that wasn't them, that particular character wasn't them if they want to, but you're writing from your truth. And I suppose mm. that's the main thing is that you're writing from your truth. So when did the book come out? The book actually came out last year, um, June or July last year. I haven't actually had my book launch yet um, <laughs> because I had this fabulous idea in my head of launching in every major city in the UK, <laughs> then heading north up to Scotland and doing the same. And I just haven't got my team together yet to, to get that done. So this is my vision. Oh, gosh, it's a beautiful vision to do a national book tour uh, with your book. And it is possible as things open up a bit more, that you're able to get your team together and to start organising. Don't forget my invitation when you come to London. I think for me, one of the biggest highlights of the year was actually seeing our book in the same in the same shop. So that was Black Wall Street, London. And as soon as I walked in and I saw yours, I had to put my book next to next to yours. And I thought, look at that, two books from the same publishing house. So that was absolutely fantastic. Really, really was. 
Yes, Marcia and Publishing are for that. It was beautiful to be in there. And when I saw your post, I was like, ah, my book's next to Pamela's. Something quite special, isn't it? So tell me, what was the writing process like for you? It was heavy at first because there was a lot. I went through my old journals to sort of refresh my mind about certain things. And so, yeah, it made it a bit heavy. Um, but then I had a, a couple of conversations with a few people and um, I spoke to Marcia herself. I went to sleep the night and woke up and thought, ah, I'm going to break it down. I'm going to break it down and do it in five parts. And that made everything so much easier because of all the information that was there. It was almost like Emmerdale or Coronation Street, you know. This could never all happen to one person. When I've broken it down and separated the different the different issues, it's become so much easier. Would you describe yourself as an early bird? So someone who wakes up at five and works till seven? Or would you describe yourself as a night owl, someone that likes to work through the night? I'd say it all depends on what is going on in my life. I flip from one to the other. You know, there's days when I routinely get up at like six in the morning and I'm up, etc. And then there's days when I don't get to sleep until about five in the morning. So there's definitely no game up at six. <laughs> I alternate. I think, no, I just alternate. Because there's times I just wake up in the middle of the night. I wake up at like two o'clock, three o'clock, just start writing until I'm a little bit tired again or my eyes start watering and I go back to sleep. I wanted to know, do you think that you have more books inside of you? Oh, definitely. Like I said, this is a five-part series. So at the moment, I'm almost completed part two, only because of the fact that it is a true story. A lot of what I'm writing about is some of what I'm writing about is actually happening in my life. I'm trying not to make it too close to today, bring it too close to today, but then things happen and I'm like, oh, that's got to go in my book. So yeah, it'll be, I'm, I'm hoping that it'll be finished, published by May. So May this year. We're hoping, we're hoping, we're hoping. I mean, I know that's a long shot, so maybe by the end of the year. Oh, congratulations to you. What, what's the, what is the title of that book? And the title of that book was going to be In Relation to Men Too, but now I'm thinking it might be called The Men in Me or The Women in Me. And that speaks about all of the females that have made an influential or impact in my life, both brilliantly amazingly good and the, the size that most parents and females don't really want to address their friends about because it might cause a rift in the the relationship so I'm going to be doing it I'm like yes <laughs> you know if we don't start talking about this and we don't start addressing these things and having some accountability for ourselves and each other and our children it's going to be we're, we're going to just leave them to go through exactly the same thing we have and I don't believe that that's what generations are for. I think each generation is supposed to get better than what the next generation had. And it's our duty. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, I fully endorse that. And um, looking forward to seeing um, part two come out in May. But at some point this year, that would be absolutely fantastic. So when you're not writing, what do you do to relax? I don't even really get that much time to relax. I'll be honest, Pamela. So I also run a home education group through a charity that I founded as well. And the books actually sponsor the charity. 25% of the profits of the book sponsor the charity. It's called Finding Naya. The home education section, giving youths, um, home educated youths, classes that they can log on to online um, from wherever they are in the world. It just alleviates the um, parents from having to spend so much on the tutoring. 
it made sense to me when we went through COVID and I saw my, my son, my eldest, experiencing certain isolation and traits. I just thought to myself, it's no good for his mental health. So we're going to have to share some of the classes that I'm doing with him, with other people, you know, that might be struggling a little bit with how they can fill that time and, you know, do what the teachers <laughs> do. So I've just sort of tried to empower them to not do what the teachers do and do what they do. Because I don't believe that there's any better teacher for our children than ourselves. I believe that everyone else can assist, but I believe that we are the greatest teachers for our children. And in doing this, it has taken up so much of my time. I do not even get much time to relax. I'm basically at the moment trying to get funding and everything. So yeah, check out the website for Finding Naya. That is www.findingnaya.com. And that's spelled Naya with a N-Y-A-H. Okay, take a look and see what you yeah, do. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. But tell me more about your homeschooling journey because I have often felt, well, you know what? I need to supplement what my child, my youngest, is learning at school, not really knowing where to start. And furthermore, not feeling as though that I'm qualified to be able to teach him anything at secondary school level. And um, I've also recognised I probably won't be able to teach him how to drive either because I don't really have that much patience and tolerance of those kind of qualities that you need to bring the best out of a pupil. In fact, I think it would be more frustrating on me than it would be on him. We never know. People may go back. We may go back into another lockdown at some stage. How would a parent start? By not putting too much in yourself. Don't expect to do what the school is doing for your child because they've been paid to study, to be able to teach a child in various different methods. And you haven't. You've never been given that extra education or those extra tools or facilities to be able to, to learn how to do it the way that they do. The best you can do is try and learn to be that little bit extra patient with your child. I know it can be really, really hard had people around me that were going spare, you know, being with the children all day, every day. I was loving it. I was getting to know more about them way before we were taking trips everywhere. Luckily for us, we were exempt from wearing masks. <laughs> so it was brilliant for me. Yeah, it was very intimate. We started meditating together. We started learning new things. I mean, my son grew two pumpkins to draw in the, during lockdown. It was brilliant. It's just that extra time. You need to have that extra patience. And what you can't do, don't be afraid to ask somebody else for assistance. They say it takes a village to raise a child, and it truly does. When we think that we, we are superwoman, we have to do it all. That's when our back breaks. You know, they say um, pressure, pressure bus pipe. So this is what happens when you take on more than, more than you're capable of doing. It does break here. So pass it on, you know, ask your sister or... Everybody is qualified at doing something. And in order to do whatever profession it is that they're doing every day, they've had to learn something or they've, they've achieved a new skill that they can teach another child. So, well, no, that's fine. Hats off to you for being able to do that. Really, that's a credit to you and an aspiration of many parents to be able to homeschool their children. But alongside that, and alongside the, um, your books and alongside all the other things that you do, how do you manage it all? How do you juggle it all of your priorities? I have three different diaries, two calendars. <laughs> Sometimes I still don't make my appointments. <laughs> so it's, I'm learning. It's a learning journey. 
like you said, it's still a journey. I'm still juggling things. Don't always get things right. But time management is crucial, isn't it? And learning to ha- how to multitask as well, you know, is imperative in terms of making everything work and galvanizing support from other people who you know that have skills that can be beneficial to you as well. If you could only choose three words, what three words would you say described you? Genuine, nurturing, fun. I like those three words. They seem to sum you up nicely. If you had the opportunity to travel, where would you travel to and who would you take with you? I don't know exactly where. It can drop me off in literally anywhere as long as there's beautiful scenery, there's lots of nature around me and I've got running water. I'm good. Ghana has been coming up quite a few times for me as well. So I'm hoping that the planets will align to make it possible for me to travel there at some stage as well. It seems to be a place where a lot of black people are traveling to from all over the world and settling down as well. So it's good to hear you say that. And it's going to happen for you. My mother actually emigrated to to Ethiopia um, eight years ago and my father emigrated 10 years ago. So it will happen if you really want it. It will happen. She spoke about it all of my living life. All of the life that I can remember, she spoke about going to Ethiopia, repatriation, and she did it. I think that sort of empowered me to like think, yeah, do you know what? You don't have to let your dreams die. Just go for them. You know, you can just build them back day by day. You might not have the full picture, but you'll get it back. Now I'm starting to see so much more of the picture. So, yeah. Oh, wow. And um, well done to your parents as well for emigrating to Ethiopia. It's supposed to be a beautiful, beautiful country to um, to visit. Have you had the opportunity to see them there? I have, yes. Um, I visited them in 2018. I took my youngest prince out to meet his grandmother. He was eight months old and everyone was like, oh, you're taking him to Africa, but he can't get any injections. And my children don't have injections anyway. You know, I've refused them from the vitamin K. I just believe that what's supposed to be will be, you know. I'm not going into the type of saying, oh, I'm not going gonna, gonna to refuse surgery and stuff like that. And it's the case of I just certain things I don't believe the necessary. And when you research certain things, nobody can tell me this is what has to happen. I need to read it, research it and believe that for myself. And so. I take it that he went and came back with that incident. He wasn't sick or anything. He did brilliant. I think that he helped him to develop more. You know, he had the space to fall and he got to see so much nature. Oh, gosh. We got to see so much and just thinking to myself, hey, one old, you are so blessed, my prince. You have been on the land, you know. I got to hold him up. <laughs> I did all of that. Went to Africa. I took my daughter and I remember the experience when I got off the plane. It literally felt like my ancestors were applauding my feet. Felt like they were being, oh, it was beautiful. The air, it was diff- everything was just, that. it was lighter. It was, oh my gosh, just beautiful. I'm booking my passage tomorrow morning. Again, like you, I don't care where I go, as long as it's in Africa somewhere. I think we could all benefit from touching Africa. I think it was Lauren Hill that said in one of her songs, went to Africa, came back darker. And she didn't just mean in complexion. She meant in terms of connecting with her African spirituality and her roots and, and so on, that at least once in our lifetime, we should go and take our children as well, because... That's an education within itself, isn't it? How to cope with the heat and 
it hits you that everybody's black. I don't know if that was your experience. But... Do you know, that was my experience the first time I went to Jamaica. And that is why, after having gone to Jamaica, I needed to be able to take my children further than that. You know, my mum had always spoke about the motherland and I just needed to take them further than Jamaica. So I took them to Jamaica and then it was like, right, we're going to Africa, you know. When I did it with my daughter, it was just beautiful. I think she was nine years old at the time and I was just amazed. You've done it! <laughs> like, you know, and then we're having my sons and being able to do it again. And I'm not going to do it again and again and again. I feel a little Everybody bit better now that I wasn't able to homeschool to the standard that I would have liked to. But I have taken my children to North Africa. They've been to Tunisia. They've been to Egypt. Going to the Egyptian Museum, for example, and seeing Tutankhamun in line in state. And then when they came back and joined secondary school, their history lessons were a lot better. They were a lot more informed because they had seen and experienced things for themselves. They know that Africans don't live in mud huts and all the other negativity that we are, we are fed on a regular basis through the media and through our education. So thank you for sharing your experiences. But what was it like traveling with a baby? There's definitely a difference between the East and the West. I mean, when we traveled, I had the pram, I had my eldest son and the baby. And um, obviously we've got our hand luggage as well. And we had to get onto the plane and then go to Turkey, Istanbul. We had to go to Istanbul. And the journey from here to there, I struggled with everything. Me and my son struggled with everything. Um, then the journey from Istanbul to Africa now, to East Africa. Um, a gentleman came, picked up the, the trolley, picked up the pram from me, carried one of the bags that my son was lugging behind him as well. And the same thing happened on the way back. The airport in Addis Ababa, um, somebody helped us onto the plane and made sure that we were okay and we were settled. When we reached Istanbul, everything changed. You know, we were, we were coming over to the European side. Everything changed. There was no assistance, nothing. And we had to run from one side of the airport right to the other. And that's a huge airport. Oh, I just remember thinking, we can't afford to miss this connection. These people are horrible. Not them. I'm not saying that people from Istanbul are horrible, but European side of the line, they were just like just walking past, watching us struggling, sweat dripping off this mum's face. I've got him tied round to me with the scarf and that holding on to him and two bags. It was horrible. <laughs> But other than that, it was beautiful. You know, when we landed in Manchester, I was back with my partner and that's a real result. But I want to go back. <laughs> but I want to go back. <laughs> I mean, that's so interesting because it's, it's almost as though you're talking about in relation to men, but also in relation to our, our attitude towards our children. And I certainly remember taking my older two to Barbados. They were four and five years old. It was the five-year-old's birthday. So he's dressed up in his... Robin outfit his costume and the little one had on his Batman outfit and I took them to a complex with a supermarket and offices on it called Julienne and people actually stopped to to speak to them and to play with them so there was these two businessmen they've got their suits on and they just stopped and they, they pretended to be the bad guys and my children were interacting with them that would never happen here when I've been to Greece when I've been to France, when I've been to anywhere but here, you know, Cyprus, anywhere but here, I think that there's just a, a much more warmth with those people. They're a lot more family orientated. It's more about life. Like I say, it's more of a liberty. Work it till you're dead. <laughs> work it till you can no longer work. Elizabeth, I could talk to you forever about our travel experiences and trade stories. 
But we've come to the end of our interview. If people wanted to get hold of you, would you mind going through your social media handles again, your website, and tell people how they can get hold of your book? Yes, I definitely would. My Insta handle and Facebook handle, well, Insta handle is at Elizabeth Hamilton Author. My Facebook is In Relation to Men. Email is Elizabeth Hamilton Author at gmail.com. And my website is www.elizabethhamiltonauthor.com. And you can get my book on Amazon and from my website, from Waterstones, from WH Smith. And there's a good few other um, bookshops that have got them and a couple of education sites as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Could you just say your website address again? And will it be a signed copy if they come directly to you? Yeah, on my website, there's the option to get a signed copy there. Um, you can also get a signed copy with a dedicated poem or a um, special dedication for whoever it is that you want. You can even write your own dedication in there if you want me to write that. Um, so, yeah, there's that option on my website. The website is www.elizabethhamiltonauthor.com. That's fantastic. Well, thank you. I wish you all the best in your endeavours especially the new book coming out. I can't wait to get my hands on it. So thank you very much for that. And bye for now. Thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to my interview with Elizabeth Hamilton. It's competition time now. During the interview, I asked Elizabeth, where are her parents from in Jamaica? Do you recall the answer? If so, Send me a direct message on Instagram at Loving the Brothers Author, or you can contact me on Facebook at Loving the Brothers Author by Pamela R. Haynes and leave me the correct answer there. Good luck and bye for now. Please join Pamela R. Haynes for another Author to Author podcast coming soon.